is confusing. Polls put former NYPD Captain Eric Adams in the lead. A new pandemic shortage. Fireworks for the 4th of July. Dennis Ravel at TNT. There were some production facilities that uh, were shut down in China because of COVID concerns. Dow Futures down one. This is CBS News. CBS News Radio is your home for breaking news. With our team of reporters around the country and the world, we give you the coverage you can trust. With no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, banking with Capital One is like the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Kind of like Taylor Swift choosing what to wear. It's looking kind of chilly out today. I think I'll go with a cardigan. Yep, even easier than that. And with our top-rated app, you can bank anytime, anywhere, making Capital One an even easier decision. That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? New consumer accounts only. Approval required. Terms apply. Capital One and a member FDIC. Rockstars at Home, presented by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Joe Jonas has been spending a lot of time at home lately. He and wife Sophie Turner are hands-on when it comes to raising their 10-month-old daughter. I'm always moving and traveling, and to be in one place for a solid amount of time and be with my family is time I, I don't think I'll get back. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Investigators crack a stolen nut case in California. The Touchstone Pistachio Company near Bakersfield was doing a routine audit of its inventory earlier this month when workers noticed 21 tons of nuts were missing. They called the cops after checking surveillance footage, catching a trucking contractor squirreling away goods on a tractor trailer. The guy stole 42,000 pounds worth of pistachio sacks and hid them in a nearby parking lot. Authorities say he planned to shell them out into smaller bags for resale. Most most of the nuts got returned. He faces grand theft charges. Monica Ricks, CBS News. A Grammy-winning singer is apologizing. Billie Eilish says she's appalled and embarrassed over an old video clip that's making the rounds on social media showing her mouthing the words to a song that includes a racial slur against Asian people. She says she was 13 or 14 at the time, didn't know it was derogatory. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Ad paid for by CompleteCar.com. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to the COVID crisis, we are announcing a low-cost extended service plan that is now available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay nothing for auto repairs. Call 800-549-1985 now. Drivers who are covered by this auto protection will not have to pay for a covered repair bill again. 800-549-1985. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com work. That's ZipRecruiter.com work. Have you heard of Project Rise? Are you a parent in Athens, Meigs, Perry, or Vinton counties? We provide internships, job shadowing, work study, transition planning, and graduation coaching. All students and parents have free access to these resources. For more information, please find us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. There are numerous free events and resources that you need to know about. Act now, Project Rise will help you with your future after high school. 
Follow us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. Welcome to Sweet Tea USA, where we know our sweet tea and we like it sweet. Sweet in the morning to get you through the day, sweet in the evening to put a smile on your face. And McDonald's knows sweet tea too. That's why you can get any size sweet tea for just a dollar. Plus, with insulated large cups, your drink stays cold longer. Here in Sweet Tea USA, everything is a little sweeter. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal as compared to prior large cup. Hi, I'm Kim. And this is Ruth. Please join us every Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen. It's the Kim and Ruth Show. It's not the Kim and Ruth Show. It's really... Tune in to Make It Happen with Kim and Ruth every Wednesday morning at 10.06. And we'll spend time talking about health and wellness topics. And all aspects of healthy living. But we know that you're the real expert in your health, so let us help you make it happen. Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to Make It Happen. Each year, Ohioans are injured and killed in train car accidents that could have been avoided with properly functioning gates and flashing lights. Facts show that gates and lights together prevent more train car accidents than stop signs or crossbucks alone. How can you help? Approach all crossings with caution and report bad railroad crossings at angelsontrack.org. That's angelsontrack.org. Because bad crossings kill good drivers. Sponsored by Angels on Track, aired by OAB and this station. Since 1921, Oblenis Hospital has been part of the fabric of Southeast Ohio sharing in the healthcare journeys of our friends and neighbors. And since becoming part of the Ohio Health family, we've proudly continued that service through investments in a new ICU, primary and specialty care services, and an expanded emergency department. Learn more about our commitment to expert care in our community at ohiohealth.com slash 100 in our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH That was a pretty good storm yesterday. I don't think we have much like that headed our way today. It says mostly sunny. Going to climb up to 71. It's at 61 right now. Last week we had an exercise of our emergency personnel and Don Gossel, who kind of heads all that sort of thing up, is here to give us an update, a report, how it went. An explanation, whatever you want to call it. That's our program today. Right here on 970 WATH, The Party Line. Well, good morning, Don. Welcome. Good and, morning. And, um, you know, you are the um, emergency management agency director, right? Yes, sir. Now, when you think of all the different things that go into that, you got fire departments, you got uh, medical responders, you have, um, you know, just all these different, and then, then regular offices like the county commissioners, the engineer's office, the health department. Uh, and the sheriffs, uh, you know, our our law enforcement folks. 
this is a real um, a thing that really needs a lot of coordination for certain events, right? Yes, it does. And, and how long have you been doing this? Well, I actually took the position here in Athens, uh, started February of 2019. Okay. Um, kind of been building the program back up, getting a little more technology into it, and uh, getting this spun up and getting them, the county ready for uh, any type of emergency it may encounter. Now, um, you know, you've had predecessors that have been doing the same thing in given the technology of their days in the office and that sort of thing. But, you know, each, each year, supposedly, there are more bells and whistles that can be added to the process. Now, all in all, emergency personnel, and maybe this is a dumb question. If so, you tell me. How many emergency personnel are in effect in our county? When you list all the different types there might be, roughly. Uh, yeah, I've never actually thought about counting them out, but you've got 14 fire departments, five EMS stations, uh, how many police departments in the communities, the sheriff's office. Collectively, we're, we're at least 300, 400 personnel. Now, are we adding in there like... Uh, See, you said police and sheriffs. Do we also add in the state, like, highway patrol? Well, the state highway patrol is just that. It's state. Um, so they're, you know, they're under a different governing body. But, you know, when you think of a county, you know, even in a scenario, you know, like what we did exercise, our, our JFS, um, the engineer's office, um, a bunch of different agencies actually can be part of response. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that makes it that much more compounding. And who must respond is kind of dependent on the nature of the catastrophe, right? That's correct. Well, um, is it an annual thing that just happened? And, and I'll explain to you folks what just happened in a moment. But is this, is this an annual exercise? Annual in a sense that um, the county needs to perform so many exercises in what we call a four-year cycle. Okay. Uh, that four-year cycle actually ends, it's on a state fiscal year, so it, which is July 1st through June 30th. And this, this four-year cycle is actually ending this June. Uh, with COVID, we've had a lot of interruption, and so we found sure. ourselves... Um, kind of behind the behind the curve and I really wanted to get this exercise in it could have been waived but uh, so we move through now when we when I say a four-year cycle we have certain certain objectives we're supposed to meet and of those objectives uh, they can be met through a full scale through what we call functional uh, a tabletop a drill multiple different exercises but there is a governing body, uh, which is actually the State Emergency Response Commission, that is the administrative uh, body for the implementation of our, our exercises. And, and this is all governed under the High Revised Code 3750. So um, the decision was that this particular go-around would be a full-scale 
exercise, right? Well, that's actually, the planning of this started shortly after I took position in 2019. Uh, I walked into the office and we had uh, a tabletop scheduled. And in that four-year cycle, we must complete a full scale and we also must complete um, a functional for our emergency operations center. And those were the two that I had to you know, complete by 2020, 2021. But with COVID, it got interrupted. Mm. And you know, as, as coming into the office, I really wanted the experience. So uh, even though we could have waived this exercise, uh, it was agreed that we would pursue it. Um, and you know, with the planning we had in place, we did a functional exercise actually in April. We didn't really advertise that one so much. That was for our EOC, uh, where we actually did the same narrative. And, and the difference is, is the functional would be where we're testing the functionality of a certain response um, implement or, or uh, office. So like the EOC, Emergency Operations Center, is kind of you know, under my realm or helm and uh, would be the director of that. And so when we brought people in for it, we went through the same scenario and we call that a building block and it builds right into the full scale where we basically say everything we just did in the functional, we actually do it with the moving parts. So we kind of been, when you look at the planning stages and then the actual functional couple months prior to the full scale, uh, we had a good handle of how we would approach it but when you, you know, there's always, there's always something that happens, you know, that you don't encounter when you start bringing in all the moving parts and putting them in place. On paper, it says it's all good. Reality, you find pitfalls. And mm. that's part of the goal for the exercises. So um, this full-scale exercise, we knew about it several weeks ago. Of course, you've been working on it for a year or better. And... Um, <coughs> We, we here at the station, I don't know if it was right or wrong on my personal part, but I personally made this decision. We were not going to p talk about it in advance because uh, in, in my mind, uh, I'm a very curious person. I would have wanted to go down there and take a look and watch it, right? And so uh, we backed off of that. We decided we would report how it went after it had been accomplished. Um, and, and so, um, you chose an area and, uh, I mean, I know the area very well. We have one of our towers located right there. Um, but it's, it's isolated. It, there's only one way in, so to speak. And, and, uh, I assume that was one of the reasons why you selected it, right? Yeah. The, the entire area had a lot of, um, what I'll call complexities in one location. Uh, I mean, this exercise was to be a simulated train derailment with a chemical spill. Mm -hmm. That location, we have the Athens City's uh, deep well heads. So if, you know, if any contamination got to those, we had to have, you know, some type of a response for the water department. Um, obviously, the, the dead end area created a single uh, response you know, direction into it. So that kind of creates, you know, a problem in itself if you're dealing with hazardous material because you got to be careful when you approach it for, you know, winds. You want to be um, upstream and uphill if possible. And so uh, 
So everything came together where that, that location was chosen. And then another thing was you had the Hocking River, so it brought in ODNR, EPA. Uh, across the river from that same location was, you know, the Laurels, which, you know, we didn't, you know, have them play because it's been such a tight, you know, schedule with everybody dealing with COVID. But mm-hmm. um, if we would have had to have an evacuation there, then we have a vulnerable group of, you know, people that we're trying to accommodate that may may or may not be ambulatory. And so that brings in a lot of other agencies uh, as far as, you know, transportation capabilities, a lot of different things could have played out on this. Um, the, the main focus for us in this one, though, was more or less our incident command and taking control of what would have happened with a lot of simulation. So how many different departments would you guess were active in this exercise, which, by the way, folks, took place last Friday? Well, I can... Uh, yeah, there's over 20 some departments probably we had um over 50 people total and uh, two two main fire departments you know in that jurisdiction was the plains and then the mutual aid of athens city mm-hmm. depending on where it was at you know, it could have been the opposite with athens being the primary and the plains being the mutual aid but uh you know when you look at you know the fire departments, uh, the law enforcement, the sheriff's office, because you had APD and um, the sheriff's office. We had ODNR. Uh, so you had you know all different type of law branches. And when this all happens, you know the whole goal of this is to get to where we're we're making unified decisions. Mm-hmm. You know we we come up with an incident commander, which is your senior fire chief of the jurisdiction. Uh, or someone who's willing to take that position that's you know, more qualified. Uh, but it has to remain in the fire departments unless it's a crime scene. Then then we can go into a law. But for the most part, they're the ones that is governing all the decisions and making those that, that command decision on how each department responds. And we refer that as a unified command because it's unified across all agencies. Now, what if there's a difference of opinion? You have multiple agencies involved. They all are concerned about the welfare of people in the area and systems being contaminated and so on. But what if what if two key people say, I disagree? Well, fortunately, we didn't have that happen, but I know it can and it does. But typically what happens, you have enough senior staff on hand that there's there's checks and balances going on with w- w- this. Ultimately, it comes down to the incident commander, though. They're fully the one in charge, okay. and so if he says go on on this you know approach, everybody's supposed to go on that approach. Now, obviously, it has to be you know sound, safe. Um, you know, you don't want to risk when you don't have to risk. So, again, this was a simulated train wreck, right, or derailment? Yes, a derailment uh, right there off of the, you know, really right along between, there's the, the ex, you know, the extension of the bike path and then the main bike path right there. Between that is the railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. And so you have a lot of, you know, even though it's kind of a remote area, we still have a lot of public access coming in, which kind of, you know, also supports that emergency response. You gotta get perimeter control, you've gotta you know, contain people from coming in and using the area. 
Now for the exercise, we just let them know we're doing an exercise. We let them pass through, but it, it made people see how much activity on something like this, you know, it, you have to gain that perimeter control. So uh, all the response we had, you know, we had fire folks uh, out on the bike trails, kind of, you know, giving a heads up because if you're on you know, if you're on your bike riding through unexpectedly and you've got all these fire departments and they're in their gear and you got to think it's real. Yes. Yeah. And so we're you know we're trying to basically keep uh, you know one we didn't want any knee jerk reaction sure. to where we're getting you know false social media out there you know something bad just happened in Athens County. Right. Nope, it was all training. There was no mayhem there at all. This is, um, is this a requirement for uh, all counties to do something on some regular basis? Yeah, actually, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that State Emergency Response Commission, that is, you know, Ohio's got it set up uh, where, we're, like I said, we, we're governed under that revised code of 3750, which is the Emergency Planning and Community Right to Know Act, uh, abbreviated EPCRA. And EPCRA basically uh, provides for the collection and availability of information regarding the use, storage, production, and release of hazardous chemicals to the public and emergency responders in, in your local communities. So, you know, we put all this together. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, we, we've got an entire, like I said, it's a four-year cycle, how we're governed, how we work it. And this is all basically local decisions, though, through what we call our local emergency planning committee, which is the local governing body that oversees what is required through sure. the CERC and, and ORC 3750. Now, um, it's done at the least, what, for every four years? Four-year cycle, um, and, and there's 13 objectives we must meet. So we actually had two state uh, people during this exercise that were overseeing to make sure that we met the requirements that the state expects. Um, and, and those 13 requirements... You might say they were grading you, right? More or less. Okay. Um, and, and so what we had is we had the state, and then I also had 10 evaluators come in, basically surrounding county email directors like myself hmm. or, or some local experts, subject matter experts that could fill the, you know, uh, that role as well. I assume you've done that for them as well. Yes, we do. Uh, that's kind of a common thing. We all have an exercise. We all do it, as, to answer that question earlier. Um, so that governing body, you know, so you know, one week I might do an exercise here in Athens County where I'm directing, and the next week, I'll be in Meg's County evaluating. We just mm -hmm. kind of, you know, mm -hmm. you know, high five each other and keep going. So th these exercises—is there kind of a list of things to draw from, or uh, is this simply determined on a local basis, like what the nature of the catastrophe is? Well, part of this comes back to the funding we receive. We do receive funding from the state of Ohio EPA for us to orchestrate, maintain that LEPC, um, and, and, and do these exercises. So with that, uh, we must complete the exercises. It has to be a hazardous material-based, and generally it is transportation-based, which is why in this case, you know, we used the rail. You know, the, that is a transportation base, mm -hmm. and then we, we added the hazardous material. But it could be a semi going down the road. It could be, you know, um, oil tanker spilled somewhere anything that requires lease uh, you know clean up and and 
some type of a response for hazardous material during a transportation scene. So, now, in in your exercise, did a car was there an accident, or did the car derail, or how many cars derailed? Um, were they on their side and therefore leaking? Uh, what was the substance they were leaking? Give us some of these. Um, of course, this didn't really happen, folks. This is a exercise in which if something like this happened, they're rehearsing for it. Now, uh, give us some of the details of this particular exercise. Well, what we did is, uh, again, the the artificialities of the exercises, you can't, just have rail cars laying on the ground so you can train. But um, I actually used my own truck with a, a water tank in the back, so it had at least fluid leaking, 425 gallons of water. Um, took the placard of the chemical that we said was the proposed chemical. And, you know, your departments generally don't know what that chemical is. So when they respond, they know they're going into a hazardous material scene, but they have to respond with, protective postures. They have to try to find some type of a placard, which I did post on my truck. That placard was 2991, which is the material of carbamate. And carbamate is a insecticide. Um, and it's, you know, kind of a common material, but what makes it unique is, you know, just like a lot of that type of material, it's flammable. And the toxicities in the raw form is relatively low. But if there was any ignition, the burning flames are highly toxic. Mm. So in this scenario, we, we didn't set any fire. We didn't put an ignition source to it. But you have to look at what is the danger zone if it was. Because also, carbamate, the, the flashback capability of it. In other words, let's say someone had a torch burning you know, for mosquitoes across the river. The fumes go there; they will actually flame back or flash back to the source. So, for this material, it required about a half a mile of what we considered a lockdown, um, and and more or less, you know, response to the point we closed, you know, artificially closed uh, a lot of Columbus Road access points into Columbus Road. Really, uh, and I and, hadn't noticed. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so we had, you know, squads actually go to the spot where they would say they'd close it down. Um, they did not, you know, we didn't want to, in, you know, impede traffic yeah, and so course, on. Of course. But, uh, and so, you know, what we were looking at is, you know, if we had that, how many people, you know, there's like, you know, in the immediate area, as far as residences, there's like 17 residences, according to my, my computer program that I use. But then you've got the entire business district there along Columbus Road, which, you know, in this case, we, you know, um, acted with a, uh, uh, a IPOS type messaging where it went out to everybody to stay away from this region and for the locale of, of Columbus Road to its shelter in place, turn off their HVAC, close their windows, do not go outside until further messaging is, you know, received. Hmm. <coughs> well, um, you're, you're, you head up emergency management agency for the county. Um, it's done now. Um, lots of entities were involved. W would you say that the, the rehearsal, the practice, the whatever we want to call this, 
the exercise was successful. It was successful in a sense. You know, like I said, we have 13 different objectives that the state expects us to meet. A full scale is required to meet eight of those 13 anytime you do one. We, 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 we tested nine. Uh, we met all the objectives, but we did learn some pitfalls. Okay. Uh, pitfalls being one, uh, we need to improve, you know, the county's kind of split. It's divided in our communications with our response between the Marks radio systems and a standard VHF radio system. Um, so we're finding troubles trying to get, you know, a patch through to work. So both community, you know, both departments that are using the different radios can talk like they would standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also found that, you know, and it was discussed that in, in this, we know in today's environment with cell phones that, you know, you can't have anything happen without it being pretty much instantaneous. There are no secrets. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, when you start seeing something bad happen, that also compounds that reaction where people want to know what is going on. And so uh, our our public information outreach, we need to find some improvement on it. We had uh, uh, Chief Tom Pyle, who does excellent as a PIO, but the communication bridge to him uh, wasn't established well enough. So we're gonna be working on that and our actual communications. And that's the reason why we do exercises. This, you know, <clears throat> if all we did was test the muscle memory of what we do in response, we're just, you know, building that better. But when well, we find pitfalls, that is, you know, a corrective action. And, you know, last night, uh, yesterday, there were a number of EAS, <clears throat> Emergency Announcement Systems, uh, activated on our televisions and our radios and so on because of the... Uh, the intense storm that went through. Um, that same system may be used to notify the public of some other form of an emergency. And you don't want to falsely um, uh, get someone excited. Um, nor did on when you're doing an exercise, you really don't need to be swamped by a bunch of curiosity. So that was one system that is still available to you that was not utilized, right? Correct. And um, but in a real world situation, it would have been. Uh, at least I I feel confident of that. Am I mistaken? Well. When something like this happens, there's so much different response agencies we go through in the notification process. Uh, one of them will say is like the National Response uh, Center, <clears throat> and they'll do a lot of behind-scene response as well. <clears throat> and uh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so with that, you know, when when we start going through all the local, you know. Um, the the whole goal is that we're trying to establish is to get that message out as quick as possible, response needed as possible, but do it so without a panic. You know, we, we, we don't need people, you know, hearing something and then just running out into the, you know, the environment that they're, you know, we're trying to protect them from right. because they're, they're wanting to leave the area. Sometimes it's best that they stay. So it comes down to is what kind of messaging should go out first. 
you know, like in this case, if we did the IPAWS, and if people don't, that that is basically where um, the cell towers are controlled, and we send out a message. And if you're in the area of the trigger location that we're saying we want to respond to, you will receive that message. It's the same thing like a um, an amber alert, silver alert, where they you know do for different things. But uh, in this case, it'll actually come with a text message, you know, um, in shelter, you know, Columbus Road, that type of stuff. And so what we're trying to establish is, first off, enough information uh, that we you at least get people to first respond. And then we follow up with, you know, as much as we can to keep them informed. And that's that bridge I was trying to say that we, we need to find a better improvement. Uh, for like, you know, the EAS, um, being that this was like a half mile region, maybe you can answer that better. Would we have used EAS in that scenario? Because we're trying to protect a half mile region, but we're also trying to keep people from coming to that region. We are, um, and, and this has been in place for years, but we have the authority to use our own discretion as broadcast owners and operators uh, to to activate an EAS. Similarly, the sheriff's department um, they have a special phone number they can call in. It could be at uh, three in the morning, and by hitting a certain code, they can then generate an EAS and the announcement. Uh, now, this I've been here fifty years. Um, that's never happened, but it is allowable. And um, but we have had EAS notifications from, shall we say, um, a little larger level, a little higher levels, and uh, then we also have EAS exercises, tests regularly, almost weekly. Well, anyway. So when you when you total the number of people engaged in this particular exercise that was last Friday morning, um, what kind of numbers are we talking about? My log, we had forty nine people sign that were participants, Neat. Uh, and generally there's always a few it's missed. So I'm going to say we had a little over fifty, mm -hmm. um, and. Like I said, there's a lot of behind-the-scene agencies, kind of like I kind of mentioned. Is you know, if we had to do a mass evacuation, um, the response is there. They're doing their thing, but then you got to reach back to agencies like you know JFS, HapCap, uh, anybody that has you know school buses, you know, you know bus sure. garages, sure. anybody can get you know big transportation quick if you had to do a mass evacuation. Um, but along with that comes also control of evacuation so now you've got you know all the different law enforcement's trying to come in and, and you know try to eliminate congestion as well so you you know there's there's a lot of it comes into play a lot of different uh, agencies uh, for what we did on this one I mean primarily we're testing on this exercise would have been our, our fire departments the two that was there um, was um, the planes in Athens City um, and then our, our EMS, because we had uh, we had seven 
seven volunteers to be victims, as we call them, or patients. My wife likes to say patients more than victims. But uh, they were basically people that we put out there to uh, act as if they had breathing problems. Mm. And we give them an ID card they put around their neck. Uh, they get rescued from the location, from like the fire department. They're brought to a staging location. EMS does the triage, determines which ones need to be transported first, and actually does a transport. So um, all this comes into play. You know, they, they have to go also through a decamp. You know, if it was you know hazardous material like this, they go through a decon prior to transport. So you don't carry basically the chemical in your vehicle now for everybody else. And so there's a lot that comes into play in that incident command. And that's that decision um, where that incident commander in this scenario was Chief West of the Plains. Um, he was being stressed pretty hard with a lot of decisions he had to make on how to support the response needed for this type of an scenario. Um, and so we're testing, you know, it, it, we call it the incident command system. And that is, it's the hierarchy. It's kind of like a military structure where you establish an incident command. Under that incident command, you have different, like, branch chiefs, which would be um, law enforcement, medical, uh, you know, basically your tactical ops and all that. So you have basically a person who's in charge, each one of those, who reach back to the incident commander. So he, he's making the ultimate decision, but they're still using the subject matter experts for their, their specialty sure. to give them what decision makes most sense to them. Folks, if so. you just tuned in, uh, our guest today is Don Gossel. <coughs> he is the, um, the head of the Athens County Emergency Management Agency. Last Friday, they had a, uh, a rehearsal. They had a, uh, an event that took place. It was not a real event. It was a staged event. It involved a, pot a, a, a train um, derailment that caused the um, a, a nauseous um, chemical to be released and dealing with how they would deal with that if it really happened. Right? This was a rehearsal. Now, Don, um, y you've given us a good report on that. Now, there's a difference between an accident and what would the word be? Um, someone doing something lousy. You know what I mean? Um, this is something that just went wrong. Correct. The other thing is something where people or person caused things to go wrong. Um, and I'm sure there's times when you rehearse for that too, right? Yes. Uh, so, you know, my office, kind of the way to think of an EMA office is we're your local arm of FEMA. Uh, we're that coordinator that comes, you know, and, and that's the best way to put it. We're the coordinator, that communication source for all your different response agencies. We package it together. And we have a lot of different training that we can reach back to. Um, we can bring people in. And part of that is, you know, we have everything from um, training for from weapons of mass destruction to uh, 
you know, like a poisonous chemical release, like, you know, someone on a, you know, like you see it on the news, you know, like in a subway, they release something. Um, so we have, you know, a, a very robust EMA agency for the state of Ohio. In fact, we're one of the top five in the nation. Cool. Um, and so with that comes with a lot of capability, a lot of training aspects um, that we can reach back to. And so um, if we had, you know, the need, you know, to, to look at should we be doing this type of a training, we have those resources available. And, um, <clears throat> and you know, we do. You'll see a lot of, you know, the different type of training. You know, it may be more law enforcement on some of that. It may, you know, and then they're the ones in charge. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, uh, but yeah, so we're kind of that coordination source. We can find a lot of the resources that fund it, uh, to train it, and everything. Now, if there's someone listening who just this really trips their trigger, they're really fascinated with the the concept, the idea, and maybe they, in their heart, they've always wanted to help serve in that capacity. Um, I think of. Um, friends of mine who are volunteer fire people, right? Um, how, how, do, how do they let themselves be known? How do they get started? And, and I know that's a little bit indirect to you, but I think you probably know the best way. Well, you know, a lot of times what happens is the first introduction to emergency management is someone who's like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to volunteer with, you know, this fire department mm -hmm. because Ohio has a lot of volunteer fire departments. Um, and with that generally brings in the introduction of some of the, you know, um, programs that emergency management brings. And, um, and then if they want to go more specific, there is actually a lot of online training that's available through FEMA. <clears throat> it's incident command type courses. Mm -hmm. And then, it's actually a very growing field right now um, due to the fact of all the complexities that's out there. And, uh, you know, like I, I received my degree here a few years back, but there's a lot of colleges now who have brought this program on. It's, you know, it's either like an emergency management disaster response program or something to that label. And there's, you know, it, once once you get into the program, you then find it can go from everything from, you know, like a county support to a private support. Hospitals have emergency managers now to oversee uh, all the functionalities of the hospital for, you know, like an emergency scenarios. Um, so it's, it's actually a very, you know, in-depth field with a lot of different elements that can be supported. So I would reach in, you know, as as everybody does today, Google it, and you can find you know a whole amount of different uh, levels of emergency management. I know uh, one family uh, well that has, uh, well, I'd say two or three children and a couple of grandchildren already actively involved in uh, uh, volunteer uh, <coughs> departments, and you know it becomes almost a. I don't want to say a hobby, but they love it. <laughs> um, of course, there's sad times, but they work hard to prevent those. Correct. Well, um, so on and all, this practice uh, that occurred last Friday, um, 
does it get a grade? It does, but it's basically just a pass or fail. Okay. Um, you know, the whole goal of an exercise, first off, is, you know, not only we, we're trying to give a, a, a real scenario that they have to look at and evaluate, but we want to do that in, you know, what's in a no-risk, no-threat environment. Um, if, uh, if, if they think it's, oh, gosh, i got to get this grade, you know, it's, it's just pass or fail. Um, and then, like I said, there's 13 objectives that, you know, the state has, you know, identified. Under each of those objectives, there may be anywhere from, on an average, 8 to 15 bullet points that must be met. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what they're looking for is, you know, the first thing is, was an incident command established? That's your decision tree, you know. It's got to start there. Um, and then from there is how was it reacted and how would it respond, um, personal protection, everything comes into play. So Now, anybody uh, who watches TV, I think, would wonder, how does the leader get selected? Because more than one person often wants to be the leader, right? Well, it comes primarily by being in a leadership position. Uh, for this exercise, I mean, we had Chief West of the Plains being the incident commander. Now, that said, we also had Chief Reimer, Athens City Fire, who's who's had actually more training and, and probably more incident command response. He was there helping and training. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, my wife called him the training angel to be. <laughs> but, uh, and then we, we had some other, you know, Captain Hall of also Athens Fire. So what, what it did is it allowed that volunteer structure who doesn't have that timeline where they're getting paid to do all this training to actually receive the training as well in, in a scenario that they actually get to apply it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, through that, you know, you build rapport. And that's the one of the biggest things is, you know, make sure that you have, you know, an established rapport where you can count on that, you know, each department to work together. And by having them, having them to work together, a lot of times you find that, you know, they actually get better at it. I mean, it just kind of makes sense. And so uh, in this scenario, I mean, it, you know, even though they were being tested, they were still being trained. And that's that's the goal of the state. The state's not trying to say, you know, we want this or, you know, we're going to close your station. They don't want to close stations. They want to improve them. And so that's the whole goal of the, the exercise is to see where they're at, what their improvement needs, and how do we get that improvement to them you know, provide them resources, training, whatever it's needed. You mentioned your wife uh, a moment ago, just briefly. And and when I looked through some of the documents, uh, she had a key role too, right? She was an evaluator. You you, you just mentioned about, you know, family. Um, to give you a background, my wife was the first one to actually get a degree in emergency management before I even met her. That's, you know, she went to school and that she was one of the first. Just uh, for kicks, where? Uh, She's from Dallas area. Dallas, and, Texas. And, yes, and okay. she, she received her emergency management degree out of the University of uh, North Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the Air Force. You know, I'm actually a retired meteorologist from the Air Force and spent many years you know, as a meteorologist, which kind of also led me into you know, emergency response with coordination because and of weather. Some stations that you were assigned to were? Locations. Well, I, I was pretty fortunate. I spent most of my active uh, career in Alaska because I wanted to, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I was all over. I was at Maine, 
Illinois, Colorado, Alaska, and also here in Ohio at Wright Pat. Um, deployed to, uh, I call it a deployment, but I went to Germany to do a backfill when they were having, um, um, it was called Joint Endeavor, the separation of the, I'm going to call it the stands, you know, and then. Um, Is weather still a fascination for you? Of course. <laughs> I mean, would you consider being our staff meteorologist? <laughs> I'm I'm dead serious. I think that would be fun. Uh, we'll talk about it. Oh, okay. We okay. can talk. But, um, you know, many TV stations have such, but not, not very many radio. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, so my wife's got a degree in emergency management. I ended up pursuing it after I retired out of the Air Force. Um, and then my stepson, who came into my life when he was four years old, kind of grew up through this. And guess what he's got? A degree in emergency management. But he's also got, uh, he went through the Hawking College here, through the Fire Academy. Right. Uh, he went through EMT school. He, he's pursuing being a firefighter with the back, you know, um, backdrop of an emergency management. Well, it sounds like the family's pretty committed to those sort of special duties. We've volunteered a lot over the years and a lot of different things. I I have too, but more in showbiz. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, neat. You know, isn't what would we do without volunteers? I mean, you know, when you think about it, you know the the eight terms I served on city council or whatever it was, it was all volunteer. Uh, I, you get some pay, but it's nothing. Um, you know, so many of our jobs or assignments we get are volunteers. And folks, please, if, if you've never done so, consider volunteering for any number of worthwhile efforts, okay? Well, we're off track. Um, If someone is listening to this and they say, gee, I'd like to volunteer to help with this kind of a thing, can you use more help? We can, depending on what we're working on. Um, You know, under emergency management in Athens County, you know, we've been talking about it, looking into it. there is what's called CERT, C-E-R-T, which is the Community Emergency Response Teams. Um, they, they started to developing one here local, but a CERT team could actually, let's just say, um, knock on wood, let's say a tornado comes back through Athens County sometime and there's actually you know enough damage that you need response. You have all your law enforcement and fire, they're out doing the immediate response for you know life safety but you, you can get volunteer teams to come and just knock on doors is everybody okay yes. um, and that type of thing so there, there is you know we're working towards trying to get a more robust um, kind of like a you know, develop again a response team um, and that you know and then internally in my office we may be working on a project where it could be just you know need some help uh, we've had quite a few interns come through over the years, um, which, you know, you mentioned volunteering. I mean, that altruistic nature, yes, but it networks you. You know, you gain through volunteering. You know, it, what, you, what you learn is still, you know, 
fodder for a resume. It could be whatever. So, I, you know, for college students, I think it's, you know, uh, especially, you know, essential for them to do a little bit of volunteer work. Um, that you never know what it leads to. But yeah, so, uh, but in my office, there's different things that we're working on. Um, right now, we're just trying to get, you know, this last, uh, you know, last year or so has been all about this exercise that's behind us. Uh, now we're going to be focusing on, you know, some of the county's emergency operations plans again um, and different things that we, we, we have control of uh, mm. in my office. And so, uh, but if we get a project that's a big project that is grant funded, it can swamp, uh, you know, small officers. Myself and my deputy director is two of us that run the office, and uh, a small office can get swamped pretty fast when you have big projects come down. Is there a phone number that they might jot down, and then a week from now, a month from now, whenever they get around to it, call to say, "Listen, I I heard this radio show." I'm interested in how I might become engaged to help. Certainly. Um, my office line number, and we're in the basement of the sheriff's office, uh, just across the hall from the 911 dispatch center. Mm -hmm. uh, but the office number is 740-594-2261. Yes, sir. 594-2261, and in the sheriff's office... Um, building there between uh, the courthouse and Minuteman Press. That's correct. What have we failed to bring out? What have I messed up on? Yeah, I think we covered a lot of it. You know, what I would like to do, if you don't mind, I want to say, you know, a big thank you um, to the uh, residents out there on, on uh, Armitage Road. Mm -hmm. um, Bob DePue owns a lot of the property. He was so gracious to say, yeah, use the driveways, park your trucks here, you know, whatever you need, I support it. You know, and, and, and that's, that's the part that we need as well, you know, is having that community support, you know. Now, in a real event, we would have just went in and done it. But, you know, for an exercise, you kind of got a little bit of more of a protocols, you know, in, in, in respect to the private property. Uh, but he was so gracious to open it up. So a big thank you to Bob. And I will personally Margaret. apologize that our area was not uh, bush hogged, okay? <laughs> uh, my, I have a tractor in the shop. So uh, we were not looking as good out there as you might have uh, seen otherwise. Well, yeah, where we were at, we did fine. Okay. I mean, and it, it was kind of a congested location for everything we had. But, you know, like in a real scenario, you don't choose where an incident happens. No. You respond. And yeah. often it is in the worst places exactly. possible. Exactly, yes. Sure. Well, again, um, our our guest today has been Don Gossel. Uh, his official title is Athens County Emergency Management Agency Director, right? Yes, sir. And um, uh, his family's engaged in this in many ways and lots of other people, too. So... Uh, folks, um, be aware of these things. Get involved if you feel so inclined. Again, the number for that, a starting number anyway, would be 740-594-2261. Always a pleasure to see you. Anytime you need our services, jump in and holler at me and we'll make it happen. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Well, let's see what time is it. 8, 958 
Um, that's enough time to look at the weather here. And uh, today it says a chance of showers and thunderstorms, then showers and possibly a thunderstorm after 3 p.m. High today going to be rather warm, 86. Uh, winds up to 16 miles per hour with gusts to 28. Chance of precipitation listed at 80% throughout the new day. And they say in terms of new rainfall and that sort of thing, um, between a quarter and a half an inch is possible. Now, tonight, showers and possibly a thunderstorm, well, before 4 a.m., then showers likely, so... Um, bu 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 low around 54, high tomorrow, they don't mention. Uh, oh, here it is, 72 tomorrow. So, um, they say three quarters of an inch to one inch possible overnight, where it's listed at 100%. So, folks, um, if you've got a big garden out there, uh, flowers or vegetables like my wife does, just let them relax. They're going to get plenty without your help. Um, let's see here. Scott? Oh, he's not in here. Well, Scott's got some great music for you coming right up in a few seconds. Okay, but first, CBS. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. The White House has just announced more than 70% of Americans 30 or older have gotten at least one dose of COVID vaccine, though the president's still set to fall short of his goal of having everyone partially vaccinated by the 4th of July, a majority. COVID infections and hospitalizations are rising in states where people are snubbing shots. Colorado state epidemiologist Dr. Rachel Hurley. We're particularly concerned about counties where we have a combination of lower vaccine vaccination rates and high prevalence of this Delta variant. More from correspondent David Begno. In Springfield, Missouri, only 32% of the surrounding county there is vaccinated and COVID hospitalizations are up more than 210% since the 1st of June. That Delta variant spread to 49 states now. Senate Republicans could put the kibosh on a voting rights bill today by staging a filibuster that would prevent the measure from being put up for a vote. Chief Washington correspondent Major Garrett says there is another option. The White House is going to have to go to a fallback position, which is the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which will probably be considered sometime this fall, would address many of the underlying issues that Republican state legislatures have changed in terms of access to voting. So that's going to have to be the White House fallback position. LGBTQ rights groups are cheering Las Vegas Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib for coming out publicly. He's the first active NFL player to do so. Glad's Rich Ferraro. It'll be a great example to see that the guy who they've been cheering on their favorite team is still an accomplished athlete. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight to play football. Even veteran employees are taken aback by American Airlines' decision to cancel hundreds of flights for lack of staffing. Greg Cozy is with the Transport Workers Union. I have 33 years with American Airlines. Never seen it this bad. 
It's very disorganized, very chaotic. It's not just airlines. CBS's Jim Crisula says factories are struggling too. Pay for factory jobs in the U.S. has grown so slowly. Manufacturers are having trouble competing with fast food restaurants and attracting workers. Increased plant production has led to more job openings, as well as the rate at which workers are leaving their jobs. Workers at a female-led dating app are getting a paid vacation to combat collective COVID burnout. CBS's Vicki Barker. Bumble sells itself as the dating app where women make the first move. And now the women running it from their Austin, Texas headquarters have told their 700 staffers around the world to take the whole week off to decompress after a pandemic year which saw dating app use explode. Dow down 120. This is CBS News. Looking to hire? Indeed will help you speed up the process. They have 135 skills tests to help you find the right candidates faster. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Microband 24 protects against Staphylococcus aureus and Enterobacter aerogenes bacteria, but does not provide 24-hour protection against viruses. Every time you touch a surface, you leave behind